You are listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. And welcome to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC, a very special bonus edition that we are sharing with you today. Glad each and every one of you could join us. As always, we have Angie and Chris with me. Uh, hi, I'm Joel here uh, in a conversation with our very, very special guest, Deanna Doctor, who currently serves as the Director of Counseling at Michiana Biblical Counseling Center. Uh, she's been doing that since January 2016, so you're up on another uh, anniversary year. Deanna, Deanna, good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We... Uh, what we do here is uh, Deanna was in talking with our Mots group this morning, and uh, Angie's always really great of, of double on the double dipping. We we have her share with you had over fifty gals down there this morning, and what a great time that was. And then we're like, hey, while you're here, come on up to the studio. And so here we are. So uh, today we want to have a just a really great conversation around the the concept of a biblical approach to parenting and um. We've said it time and time again, so much of our conversation on the side of our pastoral care, so many conversations I know Angie, Chris, myself have had, and undoubtedly uh, you as well, Deanna, around um, how to be in these days, how to be on mission as a parent, how to parent intentionally, how to parent in a way that we are um, that we're making disciples of Jesus who can make disciples as well. That we're trying to instill a faith that is uh, is lovely and you know, that can be replicated and uh, continue out in the world. So we just want to have a deep dive conversation today around that. Uh, Deanna spends a lot of times with a lot of time with families uh, talking about these things. Uh, shared some great things today. So uh, Deanna, let's just begin. Um, with because we're gonna we're gonna kind of have two two sides of the road here. One is kind of the the typical unbiblical approach toward parenting and some of that those pitfalls that exist there, and then the other option that that Scripture and and God Himself offers us this biblically rooted Christ centered uh, parenting style, and and that's obviously the direction that we want to encourage people towards. We want to uh, give them resources toward that. So let's start with the. The rough part. Let's start with the with the uh, the misstep and the uh, maybe the popularized version of this less biblically centered perspective. What are the challenges there? What what are the the missteps in the common things in your practice where when a family is coming in and there's there's parenting problems and you kind of are doing some assessment work there? Kind of paint a sketch for us for what what the things that you commonly see. Sure. Typically, we see an overarching picture of a lack of understanding to the authority structure that God has placed for the home so that it does flourish in peace and structure and order instead of in chaos. That can look like parents who don't understand that they are supposed to lead children and train them and teach them. That is my role as a mom. I'm supposed to be doing that for my children. My husband is supposed to be doing that for our children. So it can be a lack of understanding that that's their role. It can be a lack of overall structure. Children do need to be directed within parameters. And when they're not, they just do whatever works for them in the moment. And so, again, the structure of the home can help steer them and guide them into places of peace and order. I do believe that one of the main overarching issues, though, is what I understand to be true about God's authority in general and how he's asked me to live within that. If I can grasp that personally, it's going to ooze out, for lack of a better word, into how I parent, how I marriage, how I serve in my church, how I do life with my neighbors. If I don't understand that, all sorts of little variations are going to start to go wonky, and over time... I now find myself in a fairly significant mess, and I don't know how to get back out of that. Yeah. You talk about uh, the idea of a parent-centered home, and, and we often think like, oh, man, parents. Like we want to be parent-centered. Like parents should be at the center of the home. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, on the, within the unbiblical framework of parenting – 
tell us more. What, what are our definitions for kind of a parent-centered home and, and the problems that lie within that? So I encourage people to think first and foremost of just the word authoritarian. It's the mindset that I, it's not me understanding that I'm authority. I know I am. It's me believing that my authority is the end-all, beat-all, and I rule from that position almost iron-fistedly, if I can say it that way. And so it's the idea that my agenda, my desires, my goal, my time as the parent is supposed to be preeminent in that home, and everybody else circles around that. That sounds good on the surface, But that starts to break down relationships, which is literally at the heart of my biblical goal to make a disciple. That occurs in relationship. If I'm leading from a place of I'm the center of the home, the relationships start to fracture and close down. Uh, I think this morning you gave us three principles and um, truths about God and as parents. And I think this ties to exactly what you're saying, that as a parent, when a parent is centered on themselves, they don't see the child as a gift and they don't see the treasure that um, God's given them. And I think you pointed out it was one, every child is a gift from the Lord, which is in Psalms 127. And then you said, how one parents is driven by what they treasure. That's a huge statement there, Deanna. And we talked a lot about it. And you gave a little statement that goes with the whole idea of want and how that is actually our behavior. And can you just uh, reiterate that just a little bit? Sure. So what I get wrapped up in, that's my treasure point. That will motivate everything I do. So in counseling, when we're working with parents, we tell them we do what we do because we want what we want, and we want what we want because we love what we love. The do is my behavior. The want is my motive behind the behavior. The love is my belief system. Mm -hmm. So if my belief system, I'm going to go back to that parent-centered home, if my belief system is that I'm supposed to be the point here, then I'm going to parent out of me being able to get what I want and what I believe to be true. Instead of parenting from a place of this child has been a gift given to me, my treasure is supposed to be God and what he's asked of me. And then if I'm centered there, I really do grasp that the point of making a disciple is me following the Great Commission. So now I'm living out full circle what God has clearly taught in the Word, and my parenting is going to be far more effective. I can't guarantee the outcome in my child. That's not what I mean by effective. Right. But how I do it will be more effective because I'm in line with what God has clearly said. Yeah, I think we've we've all had that in our, in our on our maybe on our worst days <laughs> um, as a parent, where you just have in this mind like, why won't you just do do what I say to do and. And a lot of the like, well, why? Because I said, you know, because I said so. And I get it sometimes. You're like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't have the margin. I don't have the the gas left in the tank. My, you know, we would use in, in our, some of our counseling terms, my coping range has been, you know, I got stress every, every which way. So kid, just do what I tell you to do because I'm the boss and, and, and that's it. And Let's just be clear. We have all had those moments. We've all had those stresses. That that is that is a reality. And, and friends, you you are loved in spite of the in spite of those moments. But at the same time, though, if that's the ongoing and what I hear you saying, Deanna, if like if that sort of mindset is the ongoing trend in your family, we're, we're headed towards some pain here and some and some real uh, some long term long term struggle. And I think it it ties to exactly what you said. What we want what our desires are, has to be God. And I think as parents, we often don't evaluate in parenting what our ultimate desire is. Usually it's the kid that has the great grades, maybe has an opportunity that, like you even said it downstairs, they might be able to present well, have um, a good voice to sing in church, you know, have lots of friends, be popular. That's not the goal. I mean, as parents, our number one goal is to be like Jesus and then to make that same thing happen in our children. That's a totally different structure of how you live out your days. I tell you, I see this breaking down uh, in 
children who are athletic or in athletics. I, I think about the parents and the parents who are trying to live vicariously through their child, really in order for their child to bring them glory because they, in a social status, want to be able to say, you know, yeah, that's my kid, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff, instead of pointing them to God. And I think about the pressure, uh, you know, I grew up in an athletic home, we're, we're talking about athletic children, and I just sit in the stands sometimes and watch. And I think uh, the pressures that are put on children today to be something that maybe they're not necessarily gifted to in order to bring glory to a parent uh, is is a big, big problem today. And so I, I really appreciated this being listed as an unbiblical way because that's uh, how many times have we sat around and had parents in our office once the kids graduate and get out of athletics and they're like, we don't understand why they don't love the Lord. You've never pushed them in that direction yeah. to do so because it's all been parent-centered. So then here's the other. So we've got the ditch of a parent-centered home. Let's talk about the the ditch on the other side of the road, a child-centered home, which boy, oh boy, oh boy, this is a thing. Um, and uh, not only it's that. It's actually natural, Joel. The child comes out screaming, yes. saying, I want attention. I it's very natural. Yes. Would you agree? I yes. demand the attention. So define this for us, Deanna. So just like the parents... Uh, centered home is all about the agenda, the desires, the time and importance of the parent. The child-centered home is the same, but now it's directed at the child. So it's their agenda, it's their desires, it's their happiness. It sometimes feeds out into the desire that I have as a parent for peace, and I don't want to rock the boat. So if I can keep the child happy my world is happier. So every decision and thought process, obviously we don't do this perfectly. We don't sin perfectly. We don't honor God perfectly. But there's a pattern of me pursuing in the home the agenda and the desire of the child so that therefore I'm also still just as pleased and peaceful and happy. We would all agree that that's the goal that I'm pursuing, but I'm never going to get it because I'm already starting from a wrong foundation. So if my child is in the center of the home, I'm, I'm never going to have true peace in that home. We, we see it a lot. My wife and I talk a lot about this, even like in the workplace as, as young people are entering um, the, where this comes home to home to roost when people are entering the workforce, young people are entering the workforce and they can't understand why their boss or their supervisor, whoever, isn't bending over backwards at every turn to make their job as easy as possible, to to bring all the resources to the table, um, even in terms of, of uh, having the accountability structures in place. I mean, when that's been foreign to them in the household, and this is where, for me as a parent, it's like, if I want to see long-term, and if I want to see long-term success in my kid, yes, in discipleship, and as a part of that, though, definitely in the in the places where they have influence, like the marketplace, like their like their their job, um, they folks quickly realize that they are not the center of uh, you know if, when they get outside the protection of the home, they are not the center of of the world, and they often find that. And then their side is. What happens when you have a bunch of people who have been told they are the center of whatever have to come into an organization and all work together and and release that from their lives? I mean, it's been it's been kind of re-implemented and reinforced so many times. And we we jokingly before we went on here uh, today, you know, talked about we talk about helicopter parenting. We talk about uh, lawnmower parenting. It's like you either have the helicopter parent that's just. Uh, um, kind of hovering over their child's life and trying to uh, oversee and direct it at every, at every side. And then the lawnmower parent where it's like, Hey, I'm going to mow down even the, the slightly tallest blade of grass in front of you to, to give you as least resistance through the world as possible. What do you know? What's when, because that is, that is a, that's a kind of a child centered uh, reality for people. How do you, maybe you can give some practical examples of, kind of ways that uh, like maybe some indicators of if I'm at, okay, how do I identify in my own, like in practical ways, how do I identify a child centered home? What maybe what are some practices that you see parents, uh, parents do or behaviors that you see? Cause I've just kind of painted with a big brush. Like, sure. Oh, we have, we have mm -hmm. these kids that are, that 
you know, don't play well with others sometimes, but what would be some indicators as you're listening to parents? I think one prime one that we have probably all been tempted to do or done and we experience often is that I, as the parent, insert myself into a situation that's problematic for my child as a means of solving it. And we do see that a lot. I'm sure in ministry settings we see that in the youth group or in Sunday school classes or in extracurricular activities where maybe there's some conflict between one leader and this teenager or this elementary age child. And instead of the child being the one that navigates that conflict, a parent is making a phone call or sending an email or showing up to navigate it. I think that can be an indication of a child-centered home where my concern is the feelings of my child and their emotions versus what God might be attempting to teach them in that conflict that they're having with either another peer or with another adult. Every parent with a kid in youth group, please listen to those words. <laughs> <laughs> but I but I also think this is something our culture kind of teaches parents to do. I, I'm, I'm just going to point that out. We are saying this is an unbiblical approach to parenting. This is kind of almost a go-to way of parenting in our culture today. And we need to put that red flag up saying, oh, stop, when we want to send the email to the teacher because, you know, well, Johnny did this and you should give him an A plus because he did this. Or, And I'm just giving an example for that. We often jump in and rescue our kids and uh, it takes away the responsibility and it takes away the resiliency that that builds in them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sitting here wondering if I can't take just a slight tangent. When, when we talk about a parent-centered home and we also talk about a child-centered home, I'm curious to, to know what your guys' thought is when it comes to the topic of discipline. Because I feel like there's a generation that is parenting these days that says they want to be more the friend of their child uh, versus um, disciplining maybe like we grew up. You know, maybe in our parents' generation, we felt like, I didn't like that. Maybe we felt like they were too uh, authoritative. And now I just see a lack of discipline taking place because we don't want to harm our child. And in turn, they're harming their child. I I see this happen in, in grocery stores. I, I am not a fan of the whole counting thing. You know, the parents like, Hey, get over here. And the kid's like, no, not going to happen. Uh, I'm going to count the three, one, that's a super long time. Two. <laughs> and, and I'm in the other aisle and I'm going, Two and one going three. Uh, <laughs> and we told our, we told our kids growing up and you know, obviously the, it doesn't always work perfectly, but we said delayed obedience is disobedience. And so I want them to be able to react because if they're in danger, I want you to come now. I don't want you to wait till three, but I just feel like I'm watching parents today struggle with this idea because a child center home and, and discipline don't necessarily in my mind go hand in hand. So how do we, how do we approach that? Well, I would definitely agree that the pitfall of a parent-centered home when it comes to discipline is that discipline is meted out because I, as the parent, am uncomfortable. I'm not concerned with you learning, as my child, truth about God and how he disciplines us when we violate a perfectly right, wise standard. I'm concerned with how you just messed with my world, and so you're going to hurt. The flip is true in a child-centered home. Again, I'm not as concerned with your view of God and his view of disciplining you out of love to provide safety and structure, I'm concerned with you're going to melt down, it's going to be an embarrassment, and I don't want to hurt your psyche, and so I'm not going to put restraint in place. But I think some of both of those pitfalls come from a faulty view of discipline. Discipline is literally a good gift to give me the safety parameters where my life is abundant and thriving and freedom and peace are found there. And that's what discipline does. It shows me, hey, Deanna, within these parameters, there's nothing but abundance for you. If you wander out of those, life is going to get really hard, really uncomfortable in ways that aren't necessary. Yeah. When we're, you know, the Old Testament, we, I brought this up last episode, Old Testament wisdom, like we see a lot within Deuteronomy, where there's always there's a, the the way of life and the way of death. There's, there's always these these two paths that are being. It's like, and this day choose life. Will you choose life? Like this is the call. 
And, you know, and sometimes we look at even biblically, a lot of these commands or these, we see them as rules or whatever and, and as being restrictive. You know, uh, it's been a few years ago. I think uh, one of our favorite authors, uh, David Paul Tripp, you know, he, he, he said, he gives this uh, visual, kind of this visual metaphor, and I love it. Brings out a big, uh, big jar of uh, Skittles and with all the different colors in it, and he and he says, "Okay, so you can eat any of these Skittles that you want, but what if I told you that one of them in here was poisoned?" And and then he's like, "So now you've got all these options available to you in life, but really you're you're frozen, right? Because most of this is life giving, but in here there is death somewhere." What do you do? Well, you, you can't move forward in life. But then he's like, but what if I told you, hey, only the green ones are poisoned. Now it's you are free to navigate this knowing that when you take a scoop out, not all of these are to be eaten. Some are and some are not. There is a way of life and there is a way of death. And I think that's just incredibly helpful to say parameters and boundaries and discipline is life giving to the person that sees it, sees it from the perspective of there is so, there are so many good things. There are so many good directions and good things that God wants to bless me with. He also wants to keep me safe. He wants to keep me out, out of danger. And so to that point, you know, we're, we're talking about, cause there is a fear like, oh man, because we see it all of the time this fear that I'm going to traumatize my child through an act of discipline, that I'm going to do something that, that, that psychologically disjoints them and that there's going to be this trauma and there's going to be all this, you know, and then my kid's going to, this is always my extreme example. You know, my kid's going to end up living under a bridge somewhere because, you know, because I've done this thing to them. How, how how do we deal with that fear? How do we deal with that? Like, that just general sense that discipline in and of itself is going to psychologically, emotionally, spiritually wreck my child. Because that we clearly the biblical wisdom is that it doesn't have to. So how do we as parents move beyond that fear and move into a place of, of uh, right action, I guess. So I'll start with a practical I think it's helpful to look at how God's discipline throughout the Bible shaped and built and established his people. When he disciplined them in the Bible and when he disciplines me, it isn't causing psychological damage. It isn't causing emotional trauma. There might be physical pain involved. Some of his discipline does literally affect me in the physical realm. But there isn't damage being done to me. And so as a Christ follower, I have to wrap my mind first and foremost around how God defines words, not how my culture does, not how my own slanted, wicked, inconvenient spirit defines them, but how God defines them. And his definition of discipline is only good and beneficial throughout the Bible. And all of the examples are good and beneficial at least in the intent sure. that he had in them. Sure. People did go up against his discipline, and that didn't end well for them, but his intention in the discipline was good and beneficial. So if that fear is in place, I think it can be really helpful to calm my fear by going back to looking at how God defines the term. Because I do think my sinful parents might have practiced discipline in a slanted, unbiblical way. I might have experiences in my culture where discipline has been slanted and sinful. And so I have to come back to how God defines it in order for that fear to initially be calmed so that then I can move forward in boldness and grace and love, which is how God disciplines, to then discipline my child. And I think you said it really well this morning, Is and I want to reiterate what um, this kind of ties to, is that we will always parent based on our belief system. And that's where we have to go. And that's why we have to go back to God's Mm -hmm. character, who he is, and what his ultimate goal is. Is really, he's he's already laid out the guardrails for us. Those guardrails are for protection, not for us to feel like we are bound and we are bound up and not able to do anything. Freedom actually comes with guardrails 
and you are able to live in that abundant life because of those guardrails. And so with that, I think we have to go to the next step to see what a biblical approach is to parenting to kind of combat both of our natural ways. We all go naturally to the parent or the child. It's kind of, okay, so we're going down the road, which ditch are we going to go into? Um, because the storms are going to, of life are going to come and we often get stuck in a ditch in those storms. But how do we keep ourselves on the road and the, and the biblical approach to parenting. So let's talk about that. Can you give me a couple points in that, Deanna? I sure can. So in a God-directed home, just the term that we use in order to differentiate that we're not parent or child-focused, God is very clearly going after the truth of who he is and the application of that. And so within that structure of here's who I am, here's how you apply it, in his wisdom, again, knowing that Deanna is going to be foolish probably all of us in this room, are going to be foolish in how we apply it. He says, I'm going to give you a command of what that could look like. I'm going to give you the structure already in place for how your home can function and show that it's God-directed. And so in light of the gospel, if it's God-directed, it's gospel-oriented. He says, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to encourage you to bring your children up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, the training and the nurture of the Lord. Different versions use different words. So he gives us a formula. Oh, not super comfortable with that word, but a formula for what a God-directed home looks like. You're going to instruct your children in who I am, Deanna. Now, I can't do that if I'm not drinking and feasting deeply of who God is myself. So again, one of the signs of a God-directed home is that the parents are actively pursuing spiritual knowledge, actively pursuing, putting that knowledge into practice, which Proverbs defines as wisdom. And so if I'm doing that, then the natural outflow of that is, man, I'm so geeked about who God is and what he's teaching me that I can't wait to tell you, my child. And so we're practicing Deuteronomy 6. We're talking about God when we're getting up, when we're lying down, when we're walking in the way. It's plastered on our homes. It's tattooed on our skin. Like, we're in. Yeah. And then... As I do that, God's like, and then there will be times that they don't bend to that instruction. And they'll need to be disciplined also as part of my instruction. And so I think one of the really key parts of me being able to evaluate is my home God directed, is that I'm growing in my own pursuit of God, and I'm teaching that to my children. And then when they don't bend to what they know to be true about God, I'm disciplining their life and bringing consequences to bear. And I think you pointed this um, out really well. And I think we need to make sure that there's different types of discipline for different ages of kids. So one of, I love the word concrete, they, uh, little kids, they have to see the black, the white, the yes, the no. I would agree with that. I think because they have attention spans of gnats, bless their hearts, they're real (laughs) gifts, but they don't have long attention spans. They are literally black and white. They are, I have to see it, touch it, hold it, interact with it. So if there's going to be a violation of a standard that is black and white from God, then there needs to be a discipline that's concrete and black and white. I am a fan of spanking children. We practiced that in our home. It was practiced in my home. And I think maybe one of the ways, one of the reasons why it's easy for me to be a fan of that, and right now I'm not making a biblical argument, although God does make a biblical argument for it. It was practiced well in my home. My parents weren't lashing out in anger at me. It was very controlled. It was very short and concise. It was very much so done in love And so because that structure was in place, I thought, well, this is really effective. Like it worked. Pain motivated me. Mm -hmm. And so, and and pain motivates me still as a 50-year-old. When my life gets hard, I get back in line with what God has asked because it doesn't pay to wander outside of the confines of his wisdom and his goodness for me. So for young children, I'm a fan of concrete discipline. And I think spanking's very effective when it's controlled, it's done in love. And it's only done in that manner. I think outside of those parameters, it gets wonky very fast and very sinful. And then as our children age and they grow in abstract ability and reasoning, we can become a little bit more abstract in how we bring pain. 
that might be lots of different things that we think are effective based on what our child wants. Remember, we do what we do because we want what we want. And I want to show my child that 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 want level is going to get hit, stepped on through discipline. You know, you you mentioned um, this positive command to parents from Ephesians 6, 4, as this ties in with this. uh, NIV reads, fathers, fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Other... um, other translations say, do not provoke your child to anger. And I think, man, what you just shared there is, there, again, there's there are two bad ways it can go. Discipline can go toward, um, and I mean, I have some strong memories even within my own childhood of my parents in a very calm and collected manner disciplining me. And the way that I received that discipline is way, way different than I'm sure than them just being at the end of their rope coming unglued and like the belt flies, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And so, cause I think that, cause that's really our biggest concern. Like I, I don't, and I think about it, it's like, I don't want to provoke my kids to anger. I don't want to exasperate them. Like this feeling of exasperation is like, ugh, like, okay, I'm getting punched, but I have no idea what I'm supposed to do about any of this. I'm, I'm left without any direction. I'm like a rudderless ship, you know, following this experience. And then it's like, and then really all there's left is bitterness and anger there uh, to to follow. And I, I just, again, the words of the Lord are good because it's, hey, apparently the anecdote, the, the antidote to exasperation or provoking our kids to anger, because this is the way it's worded, do not exasperate them instead. So here we have this great transition word, instead, rather do this instead. What is the rather? Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. If it's the Lord's training and if it's the Lord's instruction, that's where we avoid the anger and the exasperation and the provoking our children to, um, to things that are that are on that are ungodly. I think first and foremost, though, like we as we as parents, like we have to have those things in our heart, like those things. What is the training of the Lord? Do I even know what that is? Do I even do I even are those words written on my heart that I can act and move out of them? Because so much of and we're talking right now as a team. So much of our discipleship, our leadership in homes, other places, is this abiding in the Lord. Uh, Chris, just this past week, like I, I think just shared with all of us as a team, like before we do anything in our leadership, and this really applies to the home, like before we do anything in leadership, have we, have we rested in the Lord? Do we know the Lord? Are we close to him and in, in living out of him? And if so, this this sort of thing starts to take care of itself in, in how we in how we live and move. And I think um, that it really will help us if you lay this groundwork for us, Deanna, on this process. Because I think, as Joel says, you know, we have to have. And I I heard that as you were speaking, the expectations defined. And I really like um, this process, biblical process. That I think what you shared in a few words can even be more defined. Can you give that to us? Sure. So I think it starts, the process of discipline starts first from a place of relationship. And so if I'm actively pursuing relationship with God and building and feasting and and drinking deeply there, then I'm already in on the Great Commission of building relationship and pointing my child to relationship with God. So in there, I'm already, here's where the process starts, I'm already fully engaged in it being my responsibility to discipline my child. It's not your responsibility. It's mine. Then as I move out from there, it's an obvious that I'm just going to communicate the expectations so my child knows where those guardrails and parameters are for abundance and peace and thriving. Not because I want to wreck your world, but because I know this pathway right here in between the guardrails is great for you. I'm going to recognize and praise them as they live within those. All day long, every day, I'm going to look for opportunities to do that. I'm going to have already in my mind discipline guidelines that fit the offense, the offense of the standard. So I've intentionally already thought ahead, yeah, my kid's going to break that rule. Yep, my kid's going to violate that standard. And I've thought through, uh, the discipline should probably fit that. I don't want to go too heavy-handed, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to not address it because there was a violation, And here, I always nuance this, if I can take a few minutes, and I encourage parents to think about the difference between your house rules and God's rules. 
I'm going to lean heavy on you violating a God rule because his authority is perfect. I'm not going to lean as heavy on you violating a house rule because my rule might have been just bad from start to finish. It's still a rule. You still violated it. But I have to lead in my discipline in that place with the grace of maybe I didn't have a good rule. Maybe I should have altered the rule. And so I think the discipline has to fit the violation based on if it's a house rule or a God rule. And I think the whole point of discipline is for me to understand I violated a standard. So my kid needs to understand there was sin at play. This isn't mom's agenda. This isn't that I'm irritated when you don't do. This is you violated something that God asked you to do, either directly from his word or through my authority as your mom. And I want my child to understand their sin because they are answering to God for their whole life. At some point, they'll stop answering to me. Yeah. Woe to the child who does not know that they sin. Um, if we withhold that truth from them, we you want to talk about hurt. Yes. You want to talk about damage. You want to talk about a way of life that is unnecessarily punishing. Um Make your child blind to their own to their own sin. Yeah, and Correct. I think it gives a picture of what the whole process of grace and forgiveness is too. When you understand your sin, yep, right. Then I I get to acknowledge. Oh my goodness, I violated the standard. God, please forgive me. Mom, please forgive me. And what do I find? I find that God was eagerly already prepared, already laid the the forgiveness out through Jesus Christ. And if my parent, if I as a parent am pursuing God, I'm just as eager to go, oh, buddy, of course I forgive you. I'm so glad you asked, but I love you. I'm always going to forgive you. Yeah. And then, and then also, and why? Because, because Christ has for that, that's the gospel. That's the gospel entry. That's the one of the ways that we just continue. I mean, that's an, that's an opportunity again and again. And I, I, I sometimes like in the busyness of the day, just, I, I think it's easy for us to forget. Like God has given us such easy on ramps to have that gospel conversation again yes. and again and again with our kid of, Hey, you failed. You feel bad about it. You're ugh, that that's rough. Isn't it? Well, you know, let me tell you about, and even as a parent, and this is where it gets a little tricky because you're as a parent like, hey, I've messed up too. I, I still mess up. But guess what? We have a forgiving and loving God who always welcomes us back. Uh, if I can just – if I could do one thing as a parent and you know, until my kids leave the house and even, and even afterwards, it would just be continue to come back to that again. Like the gospel leaks out of us so quickly. Like that's one thing that way that we can just re- keep on refilling again and again and again. Hey. We mess up, but we have a God who is ready uh, with with open arms. That's uh, man, that's good truth. So I, 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 you, you have a list here that you keep on going through. So yeah. So then after after you make sure that the discipline is going to fit the offense, I encourage parents that after they've helped their kid identify their sin, they're sure on what they're going to discipline. Just verbalize that you love your child. I'm disciplining you because I love you, and God loves us and disciplines us. And I want to be like God. I want my life to look like God. And so I'm going to pattern what God patterns towards me, buddy. And so now I'm going to demonstrate my love to you. And then the discipline flows out. I think it needs to be very straight and to the point. I don't think this needs to be a 30-minute process. Um, I just think I need to lean in with confidence. Now the discipline happens. The minute the discipline is over, whatever we've already pre-decided on as a family unit, I reaffirm my love to my child, and then I pray with them, and I give them an opportunity. Like we started this very young with our kids, that they then have an opportunity to pray and ask God's forgiveness for how they have violated his standard, and then they ask our forgiveness for how they violated our standard. I think that is a full picture of the God's purpose and discipline. It's so that I agree with him, oh, that's not okay. You've said this, and I did that. Man, God, please forgive me. And what I find is, Deanna, already done. But thanks for asking, daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it brings restoration, and it brings peace where there was chaos and confusion. And I say this all the time. I really do think one of the biggest parts of the practical outcropping of discipline is consistency. I am 50 years old, and there are still things I'm battling that I've been battling since I was a young kid. My sinful nature just wants to constantly go there 
and I've been practicing for decades. And so I can't expect that I'm going to discipline my child once or twice and they're going to understand the concept. I have to be willing to be consistent day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. As we so often quote here, discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. Yes. And that is uh, that is a hard, it's a hard reality, but we know that um, like nothing is lost in the economy of God. Like every every time, and I just, I love the way you've explained it, Deanna, like every every time we go to bat for our kids at, in, at the feet of Christ, every time that we, we say, God, would you... Would you intervene in ways that I can't? Would you Would you help me find my blind spots in my parenting? Would you, um, you know, every time we do that, we are we are building discipleship muscles. We are we are asking God to come into places that, I mean, because let's just be honest. There's a few areas in our lives that are super hard to talk about uh, publicly. Uh, number one, our finances. Number two, like our uh, our 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 life with our spouse and those relationships and then and then our kids and and how we're we're feeling either shame or frustration or whatever with our our successes or our failures with with parenting those those places are close to our heart they're really there can be really ouchy ouchy spots to talk about and um and let's just be clear like there are there are there are clearly places where um, every parent struggles. There, there is, there's well, Joel, and I don't think God's calling us to perfection. We have yeah. to realize that yeah. here. Correct. And yeah. I think that's the clarity point. God knows that we're human beings, and with human beings, we're human doings, and we often what? We go back to Genesis 3. Yes. Yep. And we have the same desires and sins that were in place there that are now still in place all these generations later. Yeah. And so we're going to fail and we uh, we have to understand that, but that's this grace cycle. It's the cycle of consistency, but it's also knowing that we're going the right direction, but it doesn't have to be perfect. We're going to make errors and God is a God that's loving and caring and he knows us, understands that. He's there to greet us when we see that sin and forgive us, but we have to recognize all that. You know, the takeaway that I have as I was sitting here just processing this conversation, I haven't had a whole lot to add. I'm just we, – we joked before we pushed record that I am an empty nester, and uh, I'm enjoying that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however, I will say this. I think when you get to the empty nest stage, you're often looking backwards saying, I wish I would have. Um, I get to coach pastors from around the nation, and one of the things I often say at the end of each call is, listen – you will get out of this what you invest in this. And if I could speak to parents today, uh, we get tired as parents. Parenting's tiring, uh, and it's it's exhausting, and you're longing to be an empty nester. But if I could encourage you, you have 18 years roughly in the home, invest in this. And I love what Deanna had to say about the fact that really if the parent is growing in their knowledge of the Lord uh, and you parent in a God-centered home, it's going to invest in your children. And it's exhausting as a parent to continue to grow because you're focused on growing this kid. It has to be a both and. And and parents, if you if you don't listen to anything else, listen to this. You have to invest in your relationship with the Lord. You have to. And I think that that right there is one of the keys uh, that I take away from this conversation. Yeah. And the two words that I hear you say this in all of what you shared is intentional mm-hmm. consistency mm-hmm. around who God is and what he's called us to be. Correct. That's about as quick as I can say it. Yeah. yeah. And done. <laughs> done yeah. and done. I, I, and I will, I will just say, um, my hope for anyone listening, any parent listening, is that you are able to see that as you as you disciple your child well, as you discipline and lead them well, that as they get older, they they need your correction less. That they act that they actually self correct better. Um, I had this conversation with my eldest the other day. I said, I said, Aaron, uh, here's the deal, dude. I have just learned that self discipline. Um, if I can do the self-discipline before God has to discipline me, that is a that is a better route, son. 
And so, and I was kind of applying that to my like discipline with him. Like, Hey, if you can figure out how to self-discipline yourself before dad has to have uh, the discipline conversation mm-hmm. with you, that that's growth. That's good. That's a win. Um, and so if, if you, here's maybe the thing, and I'm going to think about this myself real deep, uh, is my, and again, I have children from five to 12, so different, we're different stages, but is my is my leadership discipline discipleship of them progressing along as they as they age or do i feel as though i am parenting my 12 year old the exact same way that i parented my my 5 year old and 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 i think that could just be like a good checkpoint um just to say are are, are we making progress because every family is different every kid is different as different i mean all of them uniquely and wonderfully made with all of their all of their uh d- different personalities and all of that but do you see do you see progress being made do you see self dis- self discipline even uh, emerging in that and if so be encouraged by that um moms and dads or or or, or any caregiver grandparent grand uh, any grandparent whoever it may be um this is a long road for some of us, even longer than others, depending on how we've spaced those children out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but it's worth it. it, it it's worth it. So, Deanna, I just want to say, are there, with, with this topic in mind, are there any resources that you would recommend to us? I'll, I'm catching you off the top of your head, but maybe books, online resources, things like that, that we can share in our show notes at our, our website uh, for this episode. Sure. Well, clearly this podcast. <laughs> Nicely done. Good. <laughs> Thank plug. you. Yeah. They're going to pay me later. Yes. Uh, there are several books. I'm a huge reader and I'm a fan of us reading things a little bit every day just to keep us focused and growing. So there are a couple of books that are really helpful for this based on different spans of ages of your children. One is Parenting by Paul Tripp. That book is literally oriented around gospel imperatives for how we parent. So far less about rules and details of my kid needs to dress this way, think this way, listen to this music, and more about I'm going for a heart of worship in my child. How can I steer them that way in the day-to-day? I love that resource. Interestingly enough, his website has quite a few resources about parenting that are just accessible to the public also. And I think his website is paultrip.org, I think. Another one is Don't Make Me Count to Three. That's a super helpful book for young uh, parents, I mean, parents who are still in the young stages, again, heavily based in God's heartbeat for mm-hmm. training and for discipline and instruction with some really practical good wisdom, short, easy to read chapters, easy to digest material that's really beneficial and helpful for parents. The other one that I really like, I mean, I could keep listing sure. books on parenting. I have a slew of them, but one that I really like is by Elise Fitzpatrick, and that's Give Them Grace. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Again, just to keep our hearts and our minds steered towards the process of pointing my heart, the, the heart of my child towards God instead of just his behavior. I'm all for nice behavior because it makes my life easier. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if my kid has learned how to be a hypocrite, and how to go through the motions, but doesn't have a heart of worship behind it, that's going to devastate me. I, I want them loving and worshiping God way more than I want their external to look or be a certain way. And so that book's super helpful to just keep my heart moving in the direction of the heart of God as I interact then with the hearts of my ch- children. The last one that might appeal to some of the readers that are listening um, is, I forget the title now, literally just had a brain freeze. It's by Jim Neuheiser, and it's about children who are struggling or prodigals or problematic children. I wish I could remember the title. We'll find find the title and put it in our show notes. Really beneficial book because, let's be honest, our kids are struggling just like we are. And some of those struggles are far more external and difficult to navigate. And as I try to navigate those, I have the pressure of all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, clearly seeing that my kid is struggling. And probably passively, aggressively blaming me for really pathetic parenting. That's a lot of burden. And Mm -hmm. I need the hope and the encouragement that, hey, Deanna, you were a prodigal. And the father had to wait for you Mm -hmm. to return to the design that he had for you clear back in the garden. So it's okay. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed. He just waited. 
you can wait. Wonderful. And it's a really encouraging book. Wonderful. Deanna, how could people uh, connect with you and Michiana Biblical Counseling Center? What is, uh, what's the, the easy route to find you? There's a couple of routes. There's a website, www.michianabcc.org. On there, you can send us emails. You can call us. Our office number is 574-674-6601. Or you can email me directly, and I'll send it whichever direction it needs to go. That email is d doctor at michianabcc.org. Wonderful. Deanna, we just can't thank you enough for joining us here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for the contribution that you're making to our community. Uh, we are big fans of Michiana Bill Counseling Center. It's a resource that we uh, we support as a, as a congregation. And uh, we just want to continue to uh, encourage families. We want to continue to uh, be a resource. We'll say this too, friends. Uh, as always, we, we're here for you. Uh, uh, myself, Angie, Chris, uh, walkiemc.org. Uh, you can find our contact information there. Whatever you're going through, uh, and that might be a parenting related thing, a family related thing. Um, we know these are these are times, and we we you'll hear us say this regularly. This this is the heartbeat of our faith community right now is caring for people well, uh, pastoral counseling and and wrapping people uh, with with resources. We know the need is real. The need is deep, and we believe that uh, a Christ-centered community has really powerful things uh, to offer and to speak to, um, uh, whatever it is you're going through. So please, please consider us um, as, as people that are in your corner. So, guys, thanks for uh, – man, what a great what a great episode. Glad to, glad to share this time with you. Well, friends, uh, until we uh, see you next time, we do wish you uh, grace and peace in this uh, winter season. Hey, spring's coming. Uh, just hold on. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us. At Home, the podcast is produced by Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org. That's W-A-K-Y-M-C dot org. From there, you can click on the At Home tab for more information. Thanks for listening.